Hello and welcome to the Clockwork Game Design Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Bergun. Uh, the audio may sound a little bit different in this episode because I'm actually going to do this episode as a live uh, podcast, a live Twitch stream, and a podcast, and a YouTube video all at once. And I'll release them all on those three different formats. So I guess two, two formats and one live format. Um, so I encourage people to come around during this show and ask me questions and stuff. The main thing we're going to be doing is going through this article that I wrote in 2012 called What Makes a Game? And I'm going to be just like kind of reading it and responding to it. So I wrote this article in March of 2012. So it's over six years old. Um, and this was near the beginning-ish of my serious uh, games writing career, I guess. And there's a lot... What's interesting about the article is... I, uh, it's not that I think I was like directly wrong about anything. It's just that the framing for everything was wrong and the writing was kind of bad. So I'm going to have a little bit of fun, uh, poking fun of my own writing. And also, um, in the meanwhile, giving some advice, if you guys, if anyone wants to write, um, I've learned a few lessons about good writing and bad writing, and maybe I can be of use to you. So, um, yeah, we're going to get into this article. This is on Game of Sutra. Uh, this was back when uh, it was a featured article, and it was back when Game of Sutra used to actually pay for articles. Um, so I actually got paid to write this, and I got paid to write about 10 articles from Game of Sutra. And it was like, you know, it was a nice little side gig for a while there. And then they stopped, and everyone, now anything that's on Game of Sutra is all just basically people just write it write things for free it's just basically a blog website um which i'm sure that's just how it had to be um at the time i remember when they switched over that would probably have been like 2013 2014 um it felt it felt really bad that game of sutra sign up sort of stopped uh paying for their content because it felt like Game of Sutra was the only place where people were getting paid to write about game design. What? That's just bizarre. Like, I can't even imagine that happening now or before. Um, unless you worked at, maybe if you worked at a newspaper or something, uh, not a newspaper, like a magazine, like maybe the old Next Gen magazine or something like that. But yeah, so anyway, I miss Game of Sutra. I don't really write for them. Sometimes I'll repost my articles there. Um, but um yeah, so I'll be taking a peek at the uh, at the chat now and then. So I may uh, interject with some comments if we get some questions. <laughs> okay, so um, let's go through this. This article is called "What's Make What Makes a Game," and it was written in March twenty ninth of twenty twelve, and that's six, over six years ago. And it starts off, um, you know. Uh, Argues uh, Keith Bergun, founder and designer at 100 Rogues developer 90 Farm Games, argues that some video games are not quote games at all, and posits a way to to hone home in. I guess that's right. You should really say hone in, right? But home in, perhaps like a missile, uh, in on the precise elements that make games engaging to players. All right, so I'll just I'll just start reading the first paragraph. In the beginning, Tetris had a much looser system for random piece tetronimo generation. Uh, this means, actually, there's already a grammatical error. It's a very minor one, but you're not supposed to put, uh, spaces on either side of a parenthetical, just on the latter side. So it shouldn't be peace, space, tetronimo, uh, in parentheses, it should be peace, open parentheses. This is too granular. I shouldn't get, like, 
get this granular with the that stuff. But it's like, you know, it's a little something. All right, so in the beginning, Tetris had a much looser system for random piece generation. This meant that when you were playing, uh, I'm going to zoom this in a little bit, you could not be sure of how long it would take, uh, it would be until your next uh, line piece would come. This made the decision to save up for a Tetris or cash in now a lot more ambiguous. Um, okay, so first writing note, real quick. Um, like, there's no context given for this. This is too in media res, I feel like. I wouldn't I wouldn't just dive into this. This sounds like something that should be in like a body paragraph somewhere, not uh like right out of the gate. This is this is page 1, isn't it? There's four pages of this thing. Um okay, so anyway, that's just a side note. But um sure, okay. Um between the new seven bag system of piece generation, which puts all seven pieces into into a bag and draws them out one at a time, guaranteeing that you'll get a line piece once every 14 pieces at the latest. Latest is kind of a weird word choice there. The hold box and usually five or six next boxes, modern Tetris is largely a matter of execution. So I, I do agree with that. That's true. Um maybe you love what Tetris has become and think that these uh, changes are purely positive. That's fine, but I think that we can all agree that something has been lost. And so this is, I think, in terms of a bunch of claims, this is, like, fine. Um, I do think that modern Tetris is largely execution-focused. Um, it's interesting that, like, I was complaining about the, uh, the, the, what I would now call uniform randomness. But, I mean, the thing is, Tetris is so simple that the randomness is kind of all it's got going um, for it um in you know what i mean like uh when you uniform the randomness so much that uh this choice right here which i correctly i think identified save up for a tetris or cash in now basically it's like the in tetris you know you're you're building up um like these stacks and then you're getting these line pieces and sometimes there are choices um that you have to make between do i like kind of play more defensively or do i play more investingly so um, sometimes you want to maybe just get a triple or something just to kind of like cool off the board. Um, and so that was, in fact, a, a, a big decision uh, that, that, was, that was in Tetris. And then with once everything was so uniform, so that you were guaranteed a line piece um, very, very frequently, uh, that, that really reduced that um, sort of, I don't, like, it's kind of a gambly decision, but it's still like a, a decision. Um, okay, so anyway, this so far, this is fine. The concept of games. I, now, here's where we get into real... This is this is funny because, like, this little story is, like, supposed to be the context. This is a writing note again. This is supposed to be, like, the context for this article. But this should be a lot longer if... I, I think. Because this doesn't really set it up. And then we get right into this, like, theory stuff. And um, so that's just, like, a little bit awkward, I think. <clears throat> Okay, I propose that games are a specific thing. What I mean, that shouldn't probably be its own paragraph. It's too, like, Chuck Palahniuk. Blow your mind. Whoa, a specific thing. Um, uh, I, what I mean by that is that I think there is a unique concept that I can only call game, and this is something different from the large blanket term we use in the digital game world. We video gamers call everything from digital puzzles, interactive fiction, simulators, to even digital crafting tools, games, or video games. And, uh, you know, I mean, like, well, the, the problem is, yeah, like, uh, for this, this sentence right here, um, and I, I do clarify, but we video gamers call everything from digital puzzles, all this stuff, games. And that's kind of the end of the story about the word game. I mean, what people, how people use a word is what it means. However, I do clarify that I'm being prescriptive. Um, 
Essentially, anything digital, interactive, and used for amusement gets called a game. And the dictionary will go even further. I don't know why I didn't use a real M dash here. And I don't know why there's spaces on this sides of this fake M dash. Um, didn't I know that the ASCII code for M dash is Alt 0150? It is. Try it yourself at home, kids. Alt 0150 on the numpad. Produce an M dash in no time. It calls a game an amusement or pastime. So watching a TV is a game. Uh, hell, eating a can of beans can be a game if it amuses you. <clears throat> um, so, uh, this is kind of complicated because uh, the dictionary tries to be as descriptive and loose as possible to cover any usage, uh, as many uses, usages as it, as it can. Um, but anyway, this is, I, you know, I get, I get at the point I'm making here. This is fine, actually. Um, so watching a TV is, watching TV is a game. And, and you know, I, yeah, it, it's a little silly if, like, eating a can of beans can be a game if it amuses you. Uh, sure, that's fine. Um, I don't think that's an actual practical problem. You know what I mean? Like, that's never caused a problem for anyone. However, I do get into where it becomes something to care about at all. The thing is, uh, there exists a special thing, a thing that isn't a toy, isn't a puzzle, and that isn't any of those other things I mentioned. It's a thing that's been around since the dawn of history, and it still thrives today. We have no other word for it, really, than game. So for the purposes of this article, that's the language I'll be using. To refer to the larger category of all digital interactive entertainment, I'll use the term video game. Which is like, yeah, this is, this is central to my whole thing. And by the way, this was, um, I believe this came out about three months before my first book, uh, Game Design Theory. And so this is very much like a, I, in fact, I remember writing this and thinking like, oh, this is gonna be like my kind of warm up article for the book. And so yeah, this, this sets it up right, I think. Um, so, so the idea is that like my contest of decision-making, there's no word for it really. So let's use the word game for it. Of course, that was extremely controversial. Um, I think I always understood why it was controversial. And this is like the, the bigger thing that I want to get into. I always understood why it was controversial. I understood part of why it was controversial, not entirely. Anyway, we'll get back into that in a bit. Um, to refer to the larger category of all digital interactive entertainment, I'll use the term video game. I design, I define this thing, a game, as a system of rules in which agents compete by making ambiguous decisions. I later dropped ambiguous because if they're decisions, they're inherently, I feel like decision, you don't need to say ambiguous, but that's fine. I also, um, I also uh, simplified this in the book, I think, to contest of decision-making, which is basically just a more clear way of, or, you know, concise way of saying that. Um, note that agents don't have to both be human. One is often the system, as in a single player game, but the ambiguous decisions part is really crucial, and here would argue that it's the most single, the single most important aspect in a game. Okay. This is a prescriptive philosophy, a way to look at games that you may not have, you may not have before. Man, I was all about these fake M dashes. They're all over the place. So here's a writing tip. Don't use a lot of M dashes, like, or semicolons, uh, especially not semicolons. I'm glad I, I never, I always had the good sense not to use uh, semicolons, which is good or not overuse them anyway. I, my rule for semicolons is if you use one more than one every two pages or maybe three pages, that's too many. 
Um, you can you can do everything you need to do without using semicolons. Um, okay. Oh, here's a semicolon, by the way. It's coming. Let's see if I followed my own prescription. In other words, of course, there are video games. I prefer to adopt the mobile gaming term apps. Well, this is kind of weird because I just said we'll use the video game term. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that, sort of. Well, I mean, now, so I should just clarify real quick um, that I, I have no problem, and I never had a problem. It's weird. Like, I never had a problem with people using the word games to refer to, like, I don't know, like a Dear Esther or one of those, like, something that isn't a one of these. I never had a problem with people using a game to refer to something that isn't a contest of decision making. Um, but now I, I will freely use the word game, actually mostly in the colloquial sense, not so much in the prescriptive sense, um, except for in very specialized contexts, which is where I, that's where I designed this system to be used. I didn't, I never wanted this to be, and that's, that's sort of part of the problem with this article. And by the way, we can see the comments. There's a, there's actually 127 comments or something. Um, and, uh, and, and so th that's the other funny thing about this is that like people cared so much more, 121 comments, people cared so much more about this conversation when I was being like kind of a jerk. Um, and I guess there could be a number of reasons for that, but, um, yeah, we can, we can go through some of the comments. That'd be interesting to do too. Uh, okay. So let's see. I'm here to argue. Uh, oh, let's go back, back a little bit. In other words, of course there are video games. I prefer to adopt the mobile gaming term apps that are puzzles that have elements of games. And there are games that have elements of simulators. Uh, I'm here to argue that because of this blurring of the word game and its inherent qualities, we are somewhat inadvertently losing this meaningful, ambiguous kind of decision, particularly in the area of single player digital games. So yeah, I mean, this is a, this is very central to my whole critique about video games and especially my first book, um, which is that, you know, I mean, I still think that we don't really know what we're doing exactly. I think, I still think that, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now, we'll have a much better grasp on how, on how to design good systems that don't sort of fight themselves and don't, uh, don't kind of, um, step on their own toes. So I'm still interested in that project also. Um, so I don't know. I think so far this is actually fine. The only problem is that I'm not making clear enough. Like I say, the the prescriptive thing but um i just i don't think that's enough actually um i think that um i think I, I really probably just should never have used the word game i mean this is something people have been saying forever uh is that i just shouldn't have used the word game for that type of system that i'm trying to refer refer to and i think that's true it's just um it's it, it's fine it works fine in like small enclaves of game design uh, conversation, but uh, it's just it you know it causes it causes too much confusion. It's not really it could be much more useful if I use a different term. And um, most of the like derision and uh, sort of attacks that I received were just for this one thing. And there's a political element to this that I had that had really not occurred to me back then. Um, and we'll get into that as well. 
But so far, this is actually like the writing is is rough. Is like kind of uh, just sort of not that well put together. But it's uh, it's not as bad as I thought. What makes a decision meaningful? It's possible that some of us have forgotten how good it is to make an interesting, difficult decision that we can never take back. Um, I don't like that sentence. It's possible that some of us have forgotten. I don't know. I don't know if I like that one. Uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, games have a very special kind of decision-making. In a good game, the decisions have the following qualities. They're interesting, they're difficult, and the better answer is ambiguous. That's This is just horrible English right here. In a good game, the decisions have the following qualities. They're interesting, they're difficult. <laughs> oh, oh no, wait, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. Oh, it's not fine. It's not as bad as I thought it was, but uh, the better answer, and which answer is better is ambiguous, is a little less ambiguous. Anyways, um, above all else, however, the decisions have to be meaningful. Um, okay, so what do I mean by meaningful? Here we go. I don't mean meaningful as in personal meaning. And by the way, recently I've written about meaning in, in systems and where that comes from. And I feel like I'm hoping right now reading this because I've not read this in six years or probably, I don't know, maybe four years or something. Um, but I'm hoping that I, I don't go in some weird cave with this uh, off in the wrong direction. I don't mean meaningful as in personal meaning, such as they make you think about your relationship with your dad, although they certainly could. By meaningful, I simply mean that your decisions have meaning and, oh, meaning and repercussions inside the game system. That they, uh, they cause new challenges to emerge and most importantly of all, that's bad English, uh, they have uh, meaning with regards to the final outcome of the game. Okay, cool. That's good. Yeah, they, so so they relate to the last, to the final outcome, the win or loss condition. So, you know, I mean, my big complaint has been that, like, we just have these tactics games that are really long sequences of small, short arcs. And so you have all these, like, short arcs up at the beginning, and then by, like, turn 50 or turn 100, those things that happen in the beginning are just totally erased, basically, and they don't really mean anything, and then... You know, at some point, some tactical thing happens towards the end and you lose. But you could have won if the last seven turns had gone differently. So, yeah, uh, this is fine. My, by meaningful, I simply mean that your decisions have meaning and repercussions inside the game system. Um, so, some may be quick to point out that all video games, puzzles, simulators, toys, all involve... <clears throat> we don't need a second all. We just said all right here. All involve some form of decision making. That is absolutely true. Uh, that's not absolutely true. There's no decision-making, really, in Guitar Hero. <coughs> or, like, uh, I don't know. But for but nothing else forces the player to make decisions in quite the way that a game does. See, like, so this is interesting because, like, I, I, I started... I was using a lot of this kind of language that was um, not very clear because I really didn't have as clear a grasp, I think, on what I was getting at. Any decisions you might make in a puzzle, for instance, are either correct or incorrect and the and decisions you make in a simulator depends on what you're simulating do not have a larger contest context inside which to become meaningful right so i think what i'm trying to say here is like in a in some kind of like simulator sandbox toy sort of thing you don't have like a win-loss condition to make the things that you're doing meaningful in the meaningful way that the pres pres prescribed meaning of meaningful <laughs> um yeah all right, here we go. Here's another big controversial thing. 
Uh, I remember the, uh, <clears throat> I was active on the Fantasy Strike community. Um, this was the Fantasy Strike before the video game Fantasy Strike, but David Serlin's uh, community. And, uh, and, I, and I, they hated this, this thing so much. They had so many gripes with this. And uh, one of their gripes, well, well, we'll get into it, but like one of their gripes, like it still didn't make sense to me. They seem to think that this was backwards, that games should be on the outside. And I think that they just didn't understand it at all. But I think that I have it right. I still think I have it correct that all puzzles are interactive systems. Contests are interactive systems. Games are interactive systems. And so like, you know, you become more and more and more specialized as you go towards the center of this chart. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, um, here's the hierarchy of interactive systems. And I later on in, uh, for my second book, I, I changed it and made it less hierarchical, um, which is, I think a good, still, I think is a good call. As I said, a lot of different, so going back to the article, page two, as I said, a lot of different types of media get bunched together, bunched up together in a giant bracket we refer to as video games. But as I also said, I think we all know that games are also, oh my God, this English. Okay. <clears throat> this is like kind of a run on. As I said, a lot of different types of media get bunched up together in a giant bracket we refer to as video games. That should be a period there. But as I also said, I think we all know that games are also their own unique thing when it comes to any non-digital fields. Ah, okay, this argument, I remember this. Um, so, so the argument is when it comes to non-digital fields, we kind of all do acknowledge that games are different from puzzles. Employees at Toys R Us have no problem. Ah, oh, Toys R Us, it's dated. Um, employees at Toys R Us have no problem separating their puzzles from their board games, each of which usually get their own se separate areas, for instance. Yeah, and that's that's still kind of true. Like when I go into like um, Barnes & Noble, wait, does that still exist? Yeah, that still exists. Um, when I go into like a bookstore or a toy store and they sell board games, um, it is true that the puzzles will be separated from the uh, board games, especially like really puzzly puzzles. Uh, sometimes they have like an in-betweeny area with, where things that are like, they're not sure if they're puzzles or games. Um, so that is a, a true point. And I still think that there's something to what I, what I, I mean, I know why I, I wanted to name this games. And this is a big part of it actually, is that there is a conception of a difference uh, between games and, you know, all interactive ent entertainment in the common uh, psychology in the common, like, uh, <clears throat> you know, parlance or whatever. I've created a chart that illustrates the relationships between some of the different types of interactive systems that we encounter in the world, casually known as games. Um, and by the way, uh, for those who are in the chat, please feel free to ask questions, make comments, and I will read your comments. Um, like type them out all nice and I'll read them and they'll be on the podcast and I'll respond to them. Um, we got a few people, they're mostly saying like, hey, how's it going, damn, I wanna watch this, we'll have to watch a VOD later, this is a cool idea for a stream. Um, okay, so this image, image illustrates a proposed hierarchy of interactive systems. So yeah, making it hierarchical was a little bit of a problem. Um, again, because there are political elements to this. And I wanna talk about the political, before I go too far into this, I do wanna talk about the political elements of, uh, of 
this, which is obvious to a lot of people and or maybe most people um, and wasn't that obvious to me, even though people sort of tried to tell me about it. Um, but, you know, naming my favorite kind of game, my favorite kind of interactive system games is a exclusionary act. It is a way of saying um, <clears throat> your thing's not a real thing because, you know, there's this cultural um, movement. Uh, there's this cultural giant uh, force. There's this, this huge uh, event, which is video games uh, that everyone is obsessed with and that we're all talking about, we're all engaging with. And for someone to come along and say, hey, you who's doing a visual novel or making a visual novel or playing visual novels, really loves visual novels. Just so you know, what you're doing is that's not a game. That has uh, the power of saying that's that's it's very similar to saying that you're not doing a real thing. And like, sure, if we if we could become like logical robots, every you know, we could guarantee that everyone interprets it as no, they mean this prescriptive definition that they have talked about in their article. Um, but that's unrealistic to expect from people. And, uh, you know, I think this is also reflective of, and this is something that I think people should be aware of, is it's reflective of a, um, like, uh, what's the term? Um, a universalizing of my own preferences and and desires like so i love these things so i'm going to name these games and everything else is like some other thing um and that that is a little bit of what happened there i mean i I, th I do think that this is a reasonable justification and explanation for it but i still think that i need to at the end of the day be accountable for the effects and one of the effects is that i'm you know out there being this white guy being like hey guess what everyone i like the thing, the only video games are the ones that are the only real games are the ones that I like, basically. And so that's just something that you kind of want to watch out for, I think. I mean, or I certainly want to watch out for. So, okay, in the next section of the article, I basically talk about what these different forms are. Um, I'll go through this kind of quickly because this hasn't changed a, a lot. I've, I've sort of cleaned them up, but mostly actually this has held up in terms of, in terms of my framework. Um, this is largely held up. I have changed interactive systems. See, this is actually a little bit confusing here. Why do I use the term simulators, but here I use the term interactive systems. That's, this must have been like a last minute edit or something. But anyway, contests, puzzles, and the final one games will be the same. That's, that's, I don't know why that happened. Examples, Flight Simulator, SimCity, Dwarf Fortress. A simulator is a type of interactive system whose primary responsibility it is to simulate something. That's a really unsatisfying de de definition. Um, so I got much better at explaining what the hell I was talking about by my second book, Clockwork Game Design. Uh, in the end, one of the different interesting differences between a simulator and a game is that it's not a valid complaint to say that a simulator isn't fun. Simulators really have no inherent requirement to be fun. They only need to simulate something. And that's, that's true, but a simulator is really just one type of, you know, a, you know toy or bare interactive system or, um, so that's sort of, this is, this is like incorrect by my own system. Um, 
So you could have a simulator that simulates something fun and interesting as in Dwarf Fortress, or you could have a plant growing simulator. It's worth noting that even in Dwarf Fortress, there's no guarantee that anything particularly interesting will happen. I recall one game where my fortress went totally undisturbed with almost no significant events happening for many hours. <clears throat> wow. So one thing that this is making me realize is that I haven't played Dwarf Fortress in over six years. I got to get on that. Tarn Adams has been tearing it up this whole time. It's going to be amazing now. Were it a game, I might be disappointed, but given that it's a simulator, I actually appreciate that this is a real possibility. Yeah, um, and I do think this is like this is loosely true for toys. All all toys, to some extent, is that they they have less of a form, less of a structure. So, yeah, there's going to be more times where you're just kind of like walking around or like pushing stuff around or messing around playing. Um, and you know, sometimes you kind of have to like make a little bit of your own fun more sometimes with toys um contests a weightlifting contest guitar hero simon all games are contests but not all contests are games it's unfortunate that i didn't use this construction here um so that i could do so that i could like explain why this makes sense but anyway uh the issue is that while contests are competitive they do not require meaningful decisions well worse than they do not require they they cannot have meaningful decisions because then they become games. They are often a pure measurement of ability, a simple question of how much weight can you lift or the example of Guitar Hero or Simon, how well have you memorized this sequence? <clears throat> it can be a bit hazy in some situations, but generally I think most of us have a pretty good innate sense of what the difference is between a game and a contest. Contest, I think, has always been one of the... Uh... Oh, wait, why is this in a weird order? This is weird. I went... Boop, 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 boop. Uh, I went from the bear interactive systems toy form to contests, then I'm going to puzzles, then I'm going to games. That's very strange. Um, one exception to this would be something like Guitar Hero, which I expect that many people would be appalled at the thought that it is a contest and not a game. Ooh, this is like a sentence elision right here. <clears throat> this should be two sentences because we have two ideas, and I just crammed this second idea onto the like the second onto the first idea. One exception to this would be something like Guitar Hero, period. I expect that many people would be appalled at the thought that that uh, Guitar Hero is a contest and not a game. Firstly, and by the way, oh, here's another writing tip. Don't write like firstly, secondly, and that kind of stuff. I used to do that way too much for some reason. And there's two problems. One, I mean, it's just not necessary a lot of the time. Um, but I'll, I'll, it can actually come off when you say like firstly and first of all and stuff like that, it can come off as a little bit like condescending because it sort of sounds like, um, oh my God, I have all these reasons why this is true. You know, like you're like, it's, uh, it's like you're, um, I forget the word, but you're, you're kind of like casting out that you have all these, uh, all these reasons um firstly you should know that calling something not a game is not a value judgment ah this is perfect you should know you should know it's your responsibility to know uh that calling something a game not a game is not a value judgment so this is like this is actually the 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 crux of the political element of this although it's often make it mistaken for one um so yeah i mean i didn't I didn't totally understand how words worked and like human commission work communication worked back then. 
Um, if something is like really often mistaken for something when you in speech and language, then you should change the way that you speak or, you know, at least acknowledge that it's not other people's fault. Um, it's really like whoever's creating text and writing stuff really needs to uh, be accountable for how their text is received, especially that once I realize it's often mistaken for one, I should, I should adapt to that. Um, and then I personally believe that Guitar Hero is a lot more like a contest than a game because it, this is a freaking train wreck of a, of a paragraph. What is this paragraph about? So I start off with, uh, I expect that many people would be appalled that, so first of all, I say in, in one sentence, I say an exception to what I said about, uh, wait, what is this even an exception to? Is this by an exception? Do I mean a game that's something that's not a contest? This is very bad. This is a very bad paragraph. I think you should all study this paragraph in terms of like what not to do. So it's not clear what it's an exception to. Um, and this is a sentence elision, two sentences in one. Um, firstly, you should know, you should know that calling something not a game is not a value judgment. Um, maybe worth talking about that a little bit. Um, it's, it's, it, it, I may not have meant it as a value judgment, but, um, there is value in games, in video games, in the cultural, like, uh, event and the cultural, um, I don't, I don't know what the word is, but, um, th this, this force that is games. And so to say something is not a game, it, it just kind of does, it just is a value judgment. Um, I personally believe that I personally believe now we're getting into what that Guitar Hero is a lot more like a contest than a game because it is a pure measure of ability and I would argue that little or no meaningful decisions can be made during play. Wait, I don't understand. Oh, oh, this is oh the exception is from the previous sentence it can be hazy in some situations. I generally think most of us have a pretty good uh, innate sense of the difference between a game and a contest. An exception would be Guitar Hero because a lot of people, this is so convoluted. convoluted. I have to like dig through like layers of like negatives and double negatives in order to uh, understand what I was trying to get at here. But um, no meaningful decisions can be made during play. Okay, whatever. Anyways, puzzles, let's move on. Um, a portal level, jiggle, jigsaw puzzle, a math problem. A puzzle is another word for a problem. A puzzle has a single correct answer, a solution. Uh, this, this I would disagree with now, actually. It doesn't necessarily have to have a single correct answer. It just has to have a solution state, something that, um, you, you can reach it multiple ways, but, uh, but, uh, once you've like solved it, there's nothing more to do with it. Um, some games have... Some games can also be solved. Perfect information games, such as chess, where all the information about the game stays known to the player. However, if it is common for people to be able to solve a game, it's considered a, ga a knock against that game. Okay, this is like really noob version of what... Um, to be able to solve. So, all, first of all, all games can be solved, not just some games, and not just perfect information games. Um, if it is common for people to be able to solve a game, it's considered a knock against that game. That's true. 
Uh, Tic-tac-toe is solved easily by most people other than very young children, and therefore it is not considered a good game for adults. Puzzles, on the other hand, do not get a knock for having a solution. This is not the right word, but for being, you know, for ha uh, having it be common that people are able to solve it is not a knock against puzzles. That's what they're all about. Um, so yeah, I'm, I think I'm doing one semicolon per page, which is like, that's okay. I would have gone for like 0.5 per page probably, but so do puzzles have decision-making? I argued that they do not, at least certainly not at all in the same way that games do. That's an, that's like, that kind of, I don't like that because that's like, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's muddy, muddying the waters of what decision-making is. I already prescribed like a specific definition of decision-making, so I don't need to have these weasel words. Puzzles are not games while, uh, because while some puzzles allow players to make decisions, this is actually rather irrelevant to the outcome. All that matters for a puzzle is whether or not the player gave the correct answer. Yes. It's worth noting though, real quick, that um, in practice, um, this is not true. Like in theory, this is true, but in practice, all that matters for a puzzle is not just wherever, whether or not the player entered, gave the correct answer, because a lot of participating in a puzzle is the act of solving it. So, and, and, and not solving it, like trying to solve it and failing is part of playing with the puzzle. Um, I, I guess what I, what I meant there with all that matters is with regards to like the goal of the puzzle. So I guess this is still true. <clears throat> I hope you have a good summary at the end that focuses, uh, Bat Lad has a comment. I hope you have a good summary at the end that focuses on the core theory of the article and how your ideas have changed. I've, I've been, yeah, I will. I'll definitely summarize. I've been, there's been, yeah, I will. If, if a math problem asks four plus six, if you say 10, oh no, 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 can't do that. Uh, you have solved that puzzle. This should be, if should be, and. Um, and also asks four plus six is like weird English. Um, what you did along the way changes nothing about the outcome. So while you can make decisions while attempting to find the solution, these decisions are actually irrelevant to the puzzle. In games, decisions that are made by the player have effects that change the state of the game and the outcome of the game. So in games, a player's decisions really matter in a way that they don't in puzzles. And this is the way that I draw the line between games and puzzles. The line between games and puzzles? What the hell? Why? Did I get like really confused while I was writing this article? Because there's a whole form between games and puzzles. I don't, I don't, this might have been, you know what might have happened here? I might have, this might have been like six months before I wrote my book or something. And maybe like, maybe I did have it the other way that it was like toys, contests, puzzles, games. I don't remember that. And then maybe at the last minute I like edited in this because this is from my book. So I don't know. This That's very confusing though. I wish I could delete this off the internet, by the way. If I could delete this uh, article off the internet, I'd be doing it. Because uh, I the reason I'm doing this, by the way, is uh, I got an email from a college professor who was like, hey, um, I love your work. And um, yeah, I want to actually, No More Birds made a really good comment. But let me finish my statement and I'll read his comment. Um, a college professor emailed me and said, um, 
hey, I love your work, and I just used uh, your What Makes a Game article in my uh, class to talk about interactive forms or something. And I was like, oh, no. Um, so that's a shame that this is because I've written like versions of this article that are much newer and much better. Um, and not to mention my book, like anyways. Um, so yes, no more bird asks, uh, Hmm, I'm not sure I would say your decisions don't matter while solving a puzzle. Um, well by my prescriptive definition, there aren't decisions. I, I think maybe, I don't know. Um, but I would also say just one comment on your question. I don't, uh, is, and this is a big philosophical difference that I have between now and then is that now I would say that all the like doofing around in the puzzle, like clicking around and moving around and that kind of stuff, like that is all valid interaction that like means something and matters and you know, like little, everything matters about it. I, I sort of used to have this like only the MIDI notes matter. And I, this, that's a music reference in music. Um, I would be that way as well. I would, I'm a composer and I would just, I, I did not give a crap at all about production or performance or, you know, sonic, uh, like the sound texture, timbre, anything like that. And that's why I really like chiptunes a lot is because, you know, chiptunes, I mean, actually you do have a lot of control over those things, but you know, a lot less so. It's a lot more about just the MIDI information, the on-off notes, when, you know, basically the sheet music. Um, and I was just totally into that, and I was totally focused on that for music, totally focused on that for, for games. And I think that, you know, I mean, looking back, like, I think that's good. I think someone should do that. The issue was just that I didn't realize uh, how close I was looking. I kind of thought that my like my face was like up against the page and i sort of thought i was seeing everything when i was really just seeing a small part um and so that's like the big if you wanted that uh big uh kind of uh one of the big summaries that that's one of them and then the other one which relates to that is the understanding the politics and just sort of the interpersonal um, aspects of uh talking about games and game design make this a little bit bigger so you guys can see it good See how it looks. Yeah, it looks good. Except now my face is covering everything up. There we go. Okay. Uh, so, uh, let's see. We got some comments. Um, I think since puzzles are unbounded, it doesn't matter. Oh, this is Batlad. I, I think since puzzles are unbounded, it doesn't matter what order you process things in, since eventually you'll solve it, eventually, assuming you don't give up first. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter from like an interactive merit sort of systems perspective. Uh, whereas in a game, you have to take a somewhat optimal path to win. Uh, Zerark77 says, I actually have an idea about the game puzzle dichotomy, but I'll share it in the Discord later. Cool. And yeah, I recommend everyone who's listening to this come pop by the dis Discord sometime if you like, and we can chat. Okay, enemies of this is decision. This is page three of four. Let's see, how long is page four? Let's take a look. Oh, it's pretty long. Ooh, desktop dungeons. I remember that. Okay. Enemies of the decision. As I see it, we've got three major issues that are most guilty of threatening the meaningful decision in games. These are also examples of problems which could naturally be avoided if game designers adopted my philosophy for games. Um, this is like... I don't think this is false. I, I think this is true. It's just that I also 
at the same time, yes, they would avoid these problems and they would also uh, run into a ton of other problems or rather ignore a massive amount of other things. Like I think the one good thing I'll say about like status quo game design, like what people do when they're designing games right now, is that they're kind of thinking about everything, you know? They're not just thinking about the rule set. They're not just thinking about the art. They're not just thinking. I mean, you know, of course, some developers um, focus on one thing more than another. But I think that um, one of my real weaknesses uh, as a designer and a design theory guy and all that stuff was um, too much focus on one small aspect of game design and development. And so while this statement is true, I think that it's, again, and this is like the, the theme, it's like, I think that what I was saying was true, but just there was a lot more. I was seeing this little tiny piece, whereas this, there's this huge uh, canvas of different um, ways of looking at problems, uh, things to focus on, aesthetics. Um, anyway, they, they are character growth. Oh, wow. Okay, we're going right into them. <clears throat> this is just a bad sentence. Like, they are character growth. That just feels weird. Saved games and a story-based structure. It's not that it, there's nothing wrong with it. It just feels crappy that you want to, you want more than just they are. It sounds like this is like Google translated it or something. <clears throat> um, character growth. Ideally, a game should be increasing in difficulty as a game progresses. What's interesting about this is that later on, I would actually be really angry about um, this because it assumes a lot. Then again, a lot of, like, very many, many, many video games have character growth. Anyway, let's, let's get into it. So character growth is the first problem, according to this article. Ideally, a game should be increasing in difficulty as a game progresses. Is that, is that non-controversial? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's, and that might be a little bit controversial, but not much. I think, right, people agree with that, right? Like you got the boss, the final boss, the, that, that whole concept is that, yeah, it's supposed to get harder as the game goes. <coughs> However, we've now got an expectation that our character, our avatar, uh, again with the M dashes, will gradually increase in power as the game progresses. Of course, designers try to make up for this by cranking the late game difficulty further, but this is a very bad position to put yourself in. It's one of the reasons why we in video games have such trouble balancing our games. So in case if you haven't been following, you know, the development of Escape the Omnocronom, I totally disagree with this now. This is just like, this is actually, it's funny. I was, I was thinking that bigger things would be wrong, but this is a small thing that's just totally wrong. Um, because character growth is just, is just power growth. Um, and in fact, there's no, I don't know if there is a strategy game that doesn't have something that's basically the same as character growth. You know, in Puerto Rico, you are building buildings or in, uh, chess, you are, uh, you know, putting your positions into more powerful and threatening, uh, positions. Chess is probably like the, the weakest example. Um, and so maybe that's where I was coming from because I, I might've still been in the like chess and go or like, you know, God designed by God games. Uh, Budgie in WA says when it means you have more tools to make decisions, then it does make it harder. It could, it doesn't necessarily. Uh, so Budgie is saying, uh, in the chat that, um, 
you know, as you get more abilities or items or options, um, the game will get harder as a sort of a side effect of having those more options. But that's not always true. I mean, that assumes the game is perfectly balanced, for one. Um, it could. It could definitely make the game harder, though. <laughs> so, however, we've now got an expectation that our character, our avatar, will gradually increase in power as the game progresses. So this is, I totally disagree with this. Is What is this? This is another article of mine, Understanding Balance in Video Games, from even earlier. Oh, no. Look at this. Dude, the AWP is so imba. This is like, this is like dangerously little kid territory. Okay, we're not going to look at that one. Um, essentially, you're trying to hit a moving target. Yeah, that's true. Um, assuming that the player can both become better at the skill of the game and the character can also become more powerful, both of these can happen at somewhat irregular rates. The prospect of balancing late game difficulty becomes impossible. Well, the reason that this is all false, by the way, is that the becoming better at the skill of the game is about managing your character growth and or your power your power curve and making sure that it's spiking when it should um that's i was just saying this and i'm, I'm working on an article now about this but um that's what strategy games are is the managing of the power curve um anyone who's played a final fantasy game now see this is just weird what, I'm talking about Final Fantasy, and why am I why am I using the word game here to refer to Final Fantasy when I just prescribed through to the end can back me up on this. I remember the final boss of Final Fantasy VII being pathetically easily easy for my cloud to take down. I think the designers of such games games again are aware of this issue and prefer to err on the side of too easy. Um, I mean that's true, but. Final Fantasy is like the furthest thing from what the kind of systems that I'm talking about. Although I guess, I guess here I'm talking about, of course, you know what's annoying about this too? Is that this problem, character growth, like, so this says, these are examples of problems which would naturally be avoided if game designers adopted my philosophy for games. And then I go into character growth and it's not clear at all how this relates to the system of forms. You know what I mean? Like this is just some other problem that I have with video games. Um, and yeah, looking at this now, like, so I have looked back at my, my first book. Maybe actually, you know what? I think my first book came out in 2013. So it was a little later. Um, and and I, I mostly think it actually holds up. Like it's like a more coherent version of this kind of thing. Um, so yeah, this is just kind of scattershot that I'm just kind of like, oh, this also is bad about games. Of course, if your game is too easy, then your decisions are no longer meaningful as my decisions weren't meaningful in my Sephiroth battle. I think it was a foregone conclusion just based on character stats alone. So this is actually a good example though of like how I'm failing to see, like I'm acting as though this was a major problem for Final Fantasy. You know, it's like everyone loves Final Fantasy VII. So it's like, uh, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's, that's kind of a crucial, um, uh, myopia of this, this sort of critique is like, I'm using this weird thing, this observation about Final Fantasy VII that like, no one cares about this. No one was like, I mean, I guess people played Final Fantasy VII and they're like, yeah, the final boss is kind of easy. Maybe, um, I could see that. I mean, but that's also like, you know, people still, like, love Final Fantasy VII and think it's, like, the best 
RPG ever, a lot of people. Um, I guess you could say it's despite that quality, but uh, I, I really just don't think this is like a major issue. Um, this would be like problem number like 93 on my list of problems with Final Fantasy VII. Anyways, um, of course, if your game is too easy, yeah, I already said this. Okay. Uh, I think it was a foregone conclusion just based on character stats alone. Yeah, so like if Final Fantasy VII was a strategy game, then that would be a problem, but it's not. So I don't know. I guess it's... See, this is another thing that I'm doing is I'm applying the values of strategy games to all kinds of things that are not strategy games. And this, once again, shows the sort of universalization of my preferences. So it's not just that I'm saying, oh, yeah, there are these other things and they also can be great in their own way. And I'm saying, like, everything has to be games. <laughs> everything has to be, like, looked at as a strategy game. And uh, even Final Fantasy, which is, like, the furthest thing from it. Uh, no More Bird says, having an easy boss fight in an RPG almost feels like a reward for properly preparing. That's it working as an intended IMO. Yes, and I would also say that that's a valid point. And I would also say that um, for, for, you know, RPGs, they're not about strategy and they're not about like, they're not a contest and they're about the story. And it kind of sucks if you're playing an RPG and you just get stuck on some boss because it's too hard. Like your numbers are, you know, there's not, a, there's not even enough like resolution for you to do like to play better Final Fantasy. Like you, you like it's just... So the whole, yeah, but, but it's really revealing actually about how I wanted, it was like this colonial kind of thing where I was like trying to colonize. And I think people picked up on that. People, people, some people were really upset with me and they ex tried to express it in ways that I was totally not receptive to at the time. Um, but it's, yeah, it's like a, it is a colonial thing where I want to make video games be all be the strategy games that I want. Okay. On to the next point. Uh, that, uh, Batlad says about, uh, Final Fantasy seven. Also that last fight was meant to be pure cinematic since they gave you clouds limit break, even if you didn't already have it. I don't remember that, but it was a very long time ago. All right, so if that's the case, then that's an even worse example. But you get my point. I mean, like, there are non-cinematic final bosses in video games uh, that were, like, sort of a little bit pushovery, which does happen because of this issue where, you know, it's hard to, like, map out exactly how the, RP the, the stats are going to go because players can grind and some players won't grind at all and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, um, let's go on to the next point. Saved games. I call the quick save slash quick load or any similar system the most powerful weapon ever wielded in a video game. This one is so straightforward that I can keep it short. Essentially, a player's job is to try and play his best to uh, try to make optimal moves. The game allows you to save and load whenever you want. So when faced with a difficult decision, what is the logical thing to do? Save the game, then I'll make the decision. Well, looks like that was a bad idea. Reload the game and try door number two. Hooray, I'm so good at this game. So this is just called save scumming. I believe, but I don't know if I use that term, but this is a well-known thing. Um, and RPG designers were aware of this as early as the nineties. Um, 
which doesn't mean it's not a problem, but I don't know. Yeah. The issue with saved games is that they insulate us from ever having to make a meaningful decision, a decision that has effects on the game. If you can reload after making a bad choice, then this choice gets no chance to have effects on the game. If you can save the game right up, right before every challenge, then it is no longer a contest. Oh, no longer a contest, but everything's supposed to be a contest. Um, so, so here, this is actually the most revealing sentence right here. Because I am complaining that some things aren't contests. Um, and so this, this actually, this is like, this is the crucial, the crux of the problem. Can you quick save slash quick load, quick load in any strategy game? <clears throat> uh, well, yeah, sure you can. Yeah, absolutely. In Civ you can. Um, you also, of course, anything that's on an emulator, you could just, you can. Um, so, yeah, you can. And I mean, it is bad if you're playing something like Civ and you're like quick saving and stuff, but like, you know, and I think that you should at least advise players not to do that, but um, I don't know. That's sort of a different different issue. But yeah, this is my main point here is that uh, is that I want everything to be a contest. Here I'm literally just saying it. Once again, it's a foregone conclusion. I can't wait to read the comments and find like some comment that is like fucking directly on the money and then I can watch, find my reply and I'm like, no, no. Um, that's going to be great. Once again, it is a foregone conclusion. It's only a matter of, of when you win, not if. No, you don't win ever. Winning isn't a thing in, in non-contest systems. And I, uh, yeah, it's so funny. This directly con contradicts my other statement about like, oh, something not being a game is not a value judgment. But here I am literally saying as a value judgment that something is not a contest and that's bad. Okay. Anyway. Uh, I should mention that there's a common counter argument to this argument that goes something like, well, if you don't like to reload the game after messing up, don't do it. The issue with this is that I am having to create extra rules, house rules, if you will. I'm having to do part of the game designer's job and that isn't fair. So again, this is all still just assuming it's a contest. Um, if it's a toy, which I would say like most video games, like RPGs are largely, you know, they're like living in toy... First of all, they're, they're just like a big mix of things, but if they are anything, they're probably just a story narrative toy. Uh, furthermore, any, many games that actually are, that are act, many games are actually balanced with this in mind as an element of gameplay, and due to my next item, it's actually rather unavoidable, dot, dot, dot. This is a terrible sentence. Oh my God. Uh, many games are actually balanced with this in mind as an element of gameplay. And due to my next... Okay, I'm not even going to try uh, to parse this sentence. No More Birds says, uh, this is some real noob Keith stuff. Yeah, see, so you shouldn't be discouraged from, uh, from writing about games, everybody. This is, this is the big lesson that I'm trying to get across. I was writing like this, and then like a year later, I, uh, I wrote a book. So you can do it too. Um, Story-based structure. Never before video games, never before video games, there needs to be a comma here, was there, was there this idea that games get completed? Instead, games were played in a match. Now, is that statement true? Um, 
I don't think that statement's true. I think there are probably tabletop games. And also there was like, uh, well, uh, I mean, there were jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> they get completed or all kinds of puzzles. But, you know, again, we are pretending that puzzles don't exist now. Now, all games are expected to have a long campaign capped off by a credits reel. This completion-based mindset has dire effects on our friend, the meaningful decision. Why is this now capitalized? And didn't I use a different uh, term before? Meaningful decision? And I, before I used ambiguous decisions. This is a mess. Okay. Firstly, most story-based games are quite long with regards to games from throughout history. While, while with regards to... This is weird. I meant compared to games from throughout history. While most games have historically taken between 10 minutes and a couple hours to finish a match, modern video games aren't considered finished in any sense of the word for 20 or more hours. This is just so... Yeah, yeah, this is um, not, not a really valid point. This on its own, it needs a comma right here, on its own isn't a problem, but it also means that it becomes a bit cruel and harsh to actually ever give a player a meaningful loss condition. Yes, it becomes very cruel to suddenly take a thing that's not a contest and turn it into a contest halfway through. Uh, so that means that all they can do is win, or it's also a bad idea to have like an 80 hour long contest. Yes, probably. So that means that all that they can do is win. Therefore, the meaningfulness of their decisions is destroyed. Yeah, so again, assuming everything is a contest, uh, all they can do is beat the game slower or faster. It's no longer a competition. No longer a competition, but everything has to be. Um, okay. Fourth page. We're almost through, y'all. And then we get to the delicious comments. What then should we be doing? Again, nobody's having issues with meaningful decisions in multiplayer games. It's single player. So what I'm saying, this, what, translation. Guys. Multiplayer games are all competitive. They're all or they're all contests. Why can't single player games get with the fucking program and all be contests? Or, you know, games, contests of decision making. It's single player games that are proving to to be the issue here, so that's what I'll be addressing. Firstly, for any single player game, you simply have to have random elements. Oh man, this is so like not not specific. If your game doesn't have randomness, then it has a correct answer. And if it has a correct answer, then there really aren't meaningful decisions for a player to make. It more closely resembles a puzzle as described above. Further, if you care about having any meaningful decision, then losing has to exist in some form. And having several flavors of winning doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, I think I've already addressed the problems with this. Many of you uh, who know about the dungeon crawling genre known as roguelikes might also know that they are one of the last defenders of this sort of play in a single player game. The internet podcast Roguelike Radio recently had a show topic called Roguelike Features in Other Genres. Is that still up? Listen to this episode here. Hey, here it is. Am I on this? I am on this. Look at me self-promoting. I used to come on this podcast a lot. Oh, we mentioned Oro? That's weird. Oh, look, it goes to the old Dino Farm website, which is no longer existing. Actually, I guess it maybe does exist. It's just turned off. Um, what the hell is this? Legger Domain. Earl Spork. Some of these I do not remember. Um, okay, I don't want to listen to this. This would break my heart. 
Okay, anyway, uh, many of you... Okay, I read that. Okay, so I linked to the roguelike radio. I was a guest on this episode. Oh, okay. Full disclosure. And I predicted that we are we were going to start seeing more and more quote-unquote roguelike features in all genres of single-player games. Not because of how great roguelikes are, but because roguelikes don't actually own concepts like, quote, permadeath, which really just means losing and randomization at all. And then uh, suddenly there's an M-dash. Up until the 1990s, all games had these qualities. Oh, okay. Actually, that, that works. That works. Up until the 1990s, all games had these qualities. It's just not true unless you're defining games to only mean contests. And uh, And I think that, like... I think that some people told me this, and I didn't listen to them. But I also didn't understand what they were saying. So in my defense, I had no idea what they were talking about. Um, here's a few examples of single-player games that do, in my view, have meaningful decisions. Klondike, the, the solitaire card game that came with Windows, which you often just refer to as solitaire, is a solid example of a single-player game that has real meaningful decisions. I've been playing the game a long time myself. While it might not be clear to some who've only played a handful of games, I noticed these moments where I have a real choice that changes the future challenges and even the outcome of the game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think I've thought about this more, and I'm not sure that's true, but whatever. It's not important. Um, more recently, Derek used Spelunky ran with this concept literally, not literally. Well, maybe I guess and became one of the first well-known platformers to do what I've always thought platformers should be doing, randomizing the levels. Because the levels are random each because the random the levels are random each time you play, becoming good at Spelunky has absolutely nothing to do with memorization. Mm, a little to do with memorization, but less than like Mario, that's for sure, or any kind of process of elimination. Yeah, I've tr in other words, Spelunky has become a contest as opposed to Mario, where that's not the case. It has to do with your skill at making decisions in Spelunky. Sort of. Yes. Yes, this is true. Desktop Dungeons is not only a game with meaningful decision. Oh, man, I miss Desktop Dungeons. Did you guys play Desktop Dungeons? Um, the free one? Ugh. Loved it. It was really inspiring to me. Probably in a bad way, but it was. It's not only a game with meaningful decisions, but it also but it does so in a brilliantly innovative uh, adverbs uh, way. In the game, um, you gain bonus experience for defeating a monster that's higher level than yourself. So you choose, you can choose to use potions early game, usually uh, reserved for the end game boss, in order to defeat some mid level monsters to get that extra experience. It's a great example of the ambiguous decision you don't know for certain. It's funny because like my two examples that I gave of this were this and Tetris and both of them were like gambling, basically. You don't know for certain if the spent potion will be worth the ex uh, extra experience or not. Not really. This is more of a, this is a good example. It's an okay example. No level of experience playing other games will have really helped you make this decision either. This is a different point that Desktop Dungeons is an original system. Uh, not that it's, a, it's not, that's not because it's a contest. That's because it's original, which is great. This is what's so exciting about games. The idea that when someone comes up with a game that's really new, see, this is what this is a new this is a new topic. It actually exercises your brain in new ways. It forces you to make new kinds of de decisions that work in a way that your brain never had to work before. Okay, that's just re that's like a restatement of the last sentence. If we can agree that meaningful decisions are important, then we can hone in, focus our games down on offering as many interesting decisions. Yeah, so here's the thing. If we can agree that meaningful decisions are important, yeah, I think I think we probably could agree 
that meaningful decisions are important, but we can't agree that they are essential. Uh, there are plenty of systems that are valid and great and don't have them. And so, so what I really should have said is if we can agree that meaningful decisions are essential, then we can hone in, focus our games down, on offering as many of these as possible. And I agree with that. That's true. But I mean, I think a lot of us think they're important for some kinds of things. Um, I call this efficiency in game design. Become more efficient at doing the thing I want. Um, okay, while Klondike does have some meaningful decisions, it has many no-brainers or false decisions. God, these, these M dashes are just like peppered throughout the... Uh, so I'd say it has a rather low level of efficiency in this way. Spelunky's a bit higher since, it has a real time, since it's real time and you're actually threatened most of the time, but there are still some situations that are no-brainers. Desktop Dungeons is highly efficient. While it may seem to newcomers that there are no-brainers, better players realize that the most obvious moves are rarely the best ones. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, within... within I mean, I, that's again... The, this, this paragraph is also interesting because... You know, within when I'm actually just looking at contests, like I, my criteria, I think is good and makes sense. Um, I guess what I would also say is that even within contests, this is not the only thing to value. You know, you may want less efficiency sometimes for various reasons because, I don't know, game feel or all kinds of weird things. Um, and here's another way to look at the whole ambiguous. And, and by the way, going back to that, like, for my preferences would be um, efficiency. You know, uh, I don't have a lot of time to play games, um, and uh, I don't. I don't really like. I don't get as much out of just like kind of like clicking around for a long time and like jumping around, hopping around. Um, I'm trying to play Hollow Knight right now, and it's like it's not bad, but it's just like not doing much for me. So like I, you know, but I guess the big difference between Keith now and Keith 2012, <coughs> pardon me, is that I can, I can sort of make that distinction and say like that it's a matter of personal preference. It's a matter of like, um, aesthetic, um, you know, worldview and, and, and all sorts of things. Your, and your lifestyle, like, you know, a lot of people have more free time than I do. You know, there's all kinds of like actual practical things that go into like, what is it that you personally want to play? And here's another way to look at the whole ambiguous decision thing. This is what makes games special and interesting. Even when you won, there was always room for you to have won by more. This is like caveman language. And you're not sure how. Wow. God, this is like, this sentence needs to be rewritten like three more times. In contests, you always know how. Hit the moles even faster when they appear next time. There's no ambiguity about what you should be doing. In puzzles, if it's solved, it's solved. There may be different ways to solve the puzzle, but all solutions are equal. And so what I'm doing here is I'm talking about the advantage that the game form has over contests and puzzles. And that's true, I think, but I'm not talking about the advantages that contests have over games and that puzzles have over games and that puzzles have over contests and all that kind of stuff. Um, let's see. Um, Hopenager says, wow, Keith praised the game for being real time. A lot has changed since 2012. Did I? That must be later. Um, no More Bird says, you got to embrace being a sad bug to enjoy Hollow Knight, Keith. Oh, I love bugs, and I love the bug theme. 
Um, but that's the thing, like, you know, the theme of stuff. And I mean, we've talked about this, uh, No More Birds, that like the dark aesthetics really appeal to you. And they don't really appeal to me, which is also part of why I haven't really played um, uh, Dark Souls that much. Um, and why I, I want to play The Witcher 3 because it's been recommended to me mechanical on a mechanical level, but the theme is just so unappealing to me. Um, and Keith referenced the idea that you could have won by more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You probably would agree more with 2012 Keith. I don't think 2012 Keith had yet figured out the problems with high score because I, I, I'm not sure, but I don't think I had because I, I was just like super into roguelikes at this point. Um, anyway, the feeling of I wonder how I could improve is what's so magical and amazing about games. I think, I think though that even this one by more thing is like it, what I really, if I could go back, I think what I would have said is that, um, that there's, there's room for creative, creative play that it's not just, um, it's, it's, I didn't have a grasp on this back then, but, but I think what I, how I'd interpret this now is not that you would just win by more in like the contest sense, in the sense that you're just like applying more power or, or making, you know what I mean? Like being more efficient, but that you, that there's room to do, there was, you won, but there was other ways to win maybe infinite other ways to win or something anyways uh this feeling of i wonder how i could improve is what's so magical and amazing about games in a way games ask us to rise to our unknown theoretical highest level of ability and this is really valuable now this is like this makes me uncomfortable because this is like uh some play to win libertarian stuff here uh where it's like some free market of you know like weird capitalist brainwashing or something but no, I mean, this is true still. Like, you know, games games do ask you to, like, you know, and that's the point of, like, the single-player ELO system. Um, this is this is totally true. I just now, if I were to write this, I would kind of couch it a little differently, I think. Anyway, I propose two more paragraphs. I propose this philosophy about games is not to be pedantic or controlling about how we look at games. Well, that's quite a proposition, given what I just read. Um, it's like... All games should be contests. Now, I propose that I'm not saying that all games should be contests. Okay. It is my sincere belief that the only way we can really improve our games is by looking closely at what makes a game a game. I don't see many people really doing this. Instead, I see a lot of people simply echoing safe but conversational... Conversationally useless? Okay. I guess useless, useless to the conversation. Ideas like games are different things to different people. It's funny because like that's that's the thing that um, I mean, I can see why that 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 sort of bothered me. And I I don't know, but this is totally true. <laughs> um, again, I propose stop proposing things that we remember that there is such a there is a thing called game. What, what do you mean? Remember, that's like you mean from like three pages ago that there's a thing called game. And even if you don't agree with my ideas i hope that you do pursue your own truth <gasps> your own truth games are different things different people what the hell about what games are so that you can focus your games into the most efficient oh okay right <laughs> this is funny so i hope you do your own thing so that when you become a guitar player just like me son You'll be the best guitar player ever. So that's why I want you to do whatever you want to do. 
You can do anything. And I just know that that'll allow you to become the best guitar player, son. Um, that's kind of like what I'm doing here. Fun games they can possibly be. To quote the author Robert McKee in his book Story, oh no, we need a rediscovery of the underlying tenets of our art, the guiding principles that liberate talent. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, what am I looking at here? Um, okay, so let's look at some comments. So first of all, do we have any comments in the chat? Let's see. Uh, Hopenager says, the praise for real time was when you mentioned Spelunky. You said Spelunky was higher efficient efficiency than Klondike because it was real time. I said that? I'm searching. Real time. Since it's real time and you're actually threatened most of the time, but there are still some situations that are no-brainers. It's like you were actually threatened most of the time. I don't know. Yeah, I did say that, but I didn't like back it up at all. And I don't think I believed it either. I think I just meant like I don't know what the fuck I meant, to be honest with you. I don't even think it is higher. I think Spelunky, I think probably, I don't know, whatever. Okay, so let's get into the comments here. Because um, I, I, thinking back, I just don't think I was ever like, uh, real-time is better than turn-based. Like, probably ever. Um, I mean, I did play a lot of real-time games, but that's just because like the best uh, competitive games were all happen to be real-time. Uh Okay, actually, I'd say that a character growth is a great source of decisions in many games. For example, the Civilization game is almost entirely about choosing how to grow your character in this game. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Right, I'm talking about the specific kind of character growth where you just get better at everything. And Civ does do that. Yeah, it has kind of thing. and it's kind of a problem there too. Sort of. And, you know, Civ is not a pure contest. That's the other thing. Is that? And so, at, yeah, judged as a strategy game, Civ does kind of have this problem. Um... I really like this article. Is this comment too long? It's kind of a long comment. Let's get one that I responded to. Uh, and this guy liked the comment. Let's not read any comments that liked my com my article. Um, wow, these are not as bad as I thought. I thought there would be a lot of people like super hating. Um, okay, here we go. I don't mind limitations on my work. They improve creativity. I'm looking for, I'm looking in the comments for a comment that says what I would want to say to myself from six years ago. Okay. I don't mind limitations on my work. This is from Dan Felder on April of 2012. Uh, April 1st. Oh, it's an April Fool's comment. I don't mind limitations on, on work. They improve creativity, but trying to beat down rules about what a game is makes me yawn similarly to people who argue about the difference between high art and low art or the difference between realism and absurdism. I uh, definitely agree about this, and that's exactly what it is. It's like this colonial, imperial, um, it's like the creative or um, media imperialism. These are actually very big differences, unlike many of the... These are actually very big differences, unlike many of the minor arguments about games, and the categorization can help some theater critics. But when it comes to designing games or writing a story, there's a difference between a meaningful distinction, genres, which matter due to audience and audience expectations, and meaningless, what is a game? Game designers benefit by asking themselves, what experience do I want to create for the player? Then they design mechanics, visuals, soundtracks, soundscapes, and more that will evoke this experience. Whether you call the end product a game or not is just as useless as whether you call the end product art or not. So I actually disagree with this guy um, because I think that there is value in whether something gets called a game or not, actually. 
Um, and so my, you know, my saying something is not a game does matter. It's not that it's not, I mean, maybe you can say it's useless, but it matters to people. Um, a game by another name still plays as sweet. <clears throat> and I also disagree with his idea that like words don't matter. Cause I think that words definitely do matter. Like, you know, it, it matters what you call things because what you call things, uh, helps to set up like helpful or not helpful, uh, connotations and like organization of thought like people people's thoughts are like built like sort of linguistically and the way that we describe things and define things for ourselves really changes how we think about them um ba -ba -da -ba. um so i commented we have a term for mammal, but we also have a term for dog. We also have a term for German shepherd. In the world of interactive entertainment, we just have games. There's no word to refer to the type of game as I have defined it. This is true, and this does need to change, I think. I mean, we do need better words. I mean, people, uh, I think that people generally agree about that sentiment. I don't mind making subcategories at all. It makes sense. Um, essence of a game, and that's useless. Okay, this guy. Look at all these exclamation points. Um, okay, let's get through away from this giant. Are all the comments on this just in this one thread between these two dudes? Oh my god. Okay. I think my issue with this article is I feel here's one other one from Jason Backer. I think my issue with this article is I feel the author is trying to make take the word game and change its meaning to become games with ambiguous decisions. Yes, that's exactly what I was doing. Um, I'm attempting to not be snarky, but it really does seem like a big part of the drive behind this article comes from the fact that the author likes that style of game and dislikes other styles. Exactly. Jason Backer has won today's podcast. Um, I wonder, can you like still contact these people? Like, can I look at his thing? Yeah. Oh man, Armello. I was just looking at this today. Do you know this game, Armello? It's like some kind of like weird board gamey tactics game. It's really pretty popular. It's like super well made. But anyways, yeah, it's funny. He like went on to do awesome things. Um, okay, so let's let's say what else. Uh, it makes more sense to me that it, to instead take this specific subset of games, games focused on ambiguous decisions, and make a new word that describes them. Yes, exactly correct. No, no, I, this is what I said. It has nothing to do with my personal preference. It has to do with the fact that within the as currently used word game, there are several different types of interactive system which are really seriously different. A puzzle is a totally different animal than a game, as I defined it. A contest, yeah, so he's not denying that. Like, he gets that. It makes sense to me that I have these subsets, but just don't use a new, but use a new word, don't use the word game. Um, it's worth having words. He agrees with that. But why do you need to use the word game to define games with ambiguous decisions? Maybe we need to create a poll or something, but I feel for the vast majority of people, the word game is a different, more inclusive meaning than that. Yes. Uh, whoa, someone got banned. Dude, I had such haters back then. I miss it. Uh, that's the one good thing about my old self was that uh, I was extremely controversial. I feel like your work to develop uh, guidelines for different types of games would be better served by creating a new term to define games with ambiguous decisions. It would have the same effect as what you're trying to do now. You would be able to create guidelines for it and separate it from puzzles, contests, etc., without having a hassle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Another banned user. Oh, I never responded to him, but he was right. Uh, let's see. 
Really enjoyed this piece, but in my opinion, calling out specific features as being inherently incompatible with being a game is presumptuous. True. I would prefer to look at these cases, particularly difficult design challenges, if you intend to build a game according to this definition. Um, yeah, too wordy. Skip that one. <coughs> so, the impossible game is a puzzle. It doesn't have a contest. It doesn't have meaningful decisions. Hmm. I don't want to read that one. This person agrees with me. Um, but too much writing. <coughs> um, <clears throat> I presume by your definition that Super Mario would be classified more in the region of a contest. And this was also before I really like hard realized that, um, that these forms are not for classifying games. Like I, I realized it, but I would I would tolerate too much of people asking questions like this. Uh, whereas now I realize like that's just, just don't do it. <coughs> um, there's vocabulary and there's semantics. Let's see what this one. Mark Venturelli says, when people argue that oh I like this other definition of game because it fits all the things that we usually call games. If that definition doesn't help us design games, it's not vocabulary, it's semantics. Vocabulary, especially in design, means we are building tools. Definition in this sense uh, have no place on their own. Definitions in this sense have no place on their own. It is useless to discuss the meaning of game in a vacuum because much like it is useless to talk about a game mechanic by itself. Both these things can only be used as tools when taken into the context of a system. It's not how you define game, it's what you define game for. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with this. So, anyways, I think... Um, that probably will roughly wrap up um, what we're doing here, unless uh, people in the chat have any uh, questions or comments or anything. Uh, no More Bird says that he wanted to play Armello. Yeah, I was just looking into it because um, the next Dino Farm game might be like a sort of XCOM-like, and it came up under turn-based strategy. It's not an XCOM-like, as far as I can tell, Armello, but it's something. Um so before I wrap up, I guess I can just uh, give my video game uh, update. I've been playing a few video games. I, I've been going, like, the, the, the space in my life between when I play video games has just gotten longer and longer and longer over time. So, like, before last week or two weeks ago, I probably didn't play a video game for, like, a month. And, like, you know, it's just, like, so much time goes by when I just don't play video games because it's, like, every time I have that I could possibly play a video game with, I'm like, well, I could just work on my game. And that's like way better. It's way more fun. It's like way more sa like satisfying. Like I feel like I'm accomplishing something. Um, it's not, well, I guess it's not entirely more fun. Uh, it's a different kind of fun, but it's like, you know, net at least roughly the same amount of fun. So anyway, I have a real hard time playing video games. Um, and, uh, but I've been playing a few. I played um, Octopath Traveler. I've been playing that. Um, I might pick that up or I might pick up the new Mario Aces because I really liked um, Mario Tennis for 64. I thought that was really good and it would be kind of cool, I guess, to play a new Mario Tennis game. Um, Octopath Traveler is a very functional, like, 90s era style JRPG with some innovations that are, like, they're cool. But it's like actually also really shocking how JRPG it is, how generic it is. Um, what else did I play? I, I'm on and off playing a little bit of, uh, very little bit of what's it called? Uh, 
uh, my God, someone, no more birds. What's the game that I'm, I'm trying to play that you like? I forgot the name of it again. Hollow Knight. I don't know why I can't remember Hollow Knight. Um, it's really hard for me to remember that name. Um, but I, that's, it's like a Metroidvania and it's like the me of like three years ago would like not have touched it with like a 12 foot pole. But now I'm like trying to fight through it and like, you know, get into the aesthetics of it and the feel of it. But also mainly the most important thing is like get the like Skinner box hooks in there and like let that happen a little bit. Um, so Batlad has a comment on your Patreon update about uh, Batlad says, I had a comment on your Patreon update about why you think ETO is focusing more on a single lane. Oh, let's see if we can see that. All right, here we go. Ah, here it is. So, by the way, this is actually a cool thing to show, too. Next ETO patch thoughts. Zoom in. There we go. Uh, patrons and friends, I wanted to write up a big list. I could go through this. How long have I been doing this for? Uh, boop, 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 boop. Let's see if it's, you can't tell. I think it's been over an hour and change. I should probably wrap up. I, I have a new uh, Escape the Omnocrodon patch that I'm going to be doing uh, soon. And 0.7. And I, there's some like big design problems that it's been having. The side lanes are all dumb. They don't make sense. The, uh, the treasure chest economy has never made sense. No one has ever understood how my guardian system worked. It just was never clear. Um... A bunch of different problems and i have a bunch of uh suggested fixes for it to uh that i think should be a good it's like you know it's like it's their conservative things that i can do without like recoding a giant chunk of the game um so uh, let's see uh the focus on a single lane this is a comment from uh, bat lad the focus on a single lane seems a little odd to me given the similar similar level importance of all lanes in team-based games in this genre do you think having a single avatar is kind of limiting the amount of lanes a player can focus on so you're redirecting towards a single lane yeah my first thought here was like let's just redirect towards a single lane and just have there be these two like sub lanes that just uh that are just pushing in at you perhaps two equally important lanes would be an alternative option perhaps but i think this should work um or is the decision about which lane to push out just not that strategically interesting that's the thing that's it uh the decision about which lane to push out it just it didn't work out the way i intended or it hasn't so far um part of it was that i expected that um zones would impact that more than they have part of that was the pushness of lanes to be i expected it to be more um like more um fixed like slower moving uh why do you think your game is focused on one lane Basically, I'm just trying to shrink the scope a little bit. I'm trying to get like an economy that works. I'm just trying, I'm trying to make the game work basically. And so I'm like, I'm trying to like shrink down the scope a little bit. Now there's one lane that you really have to push, push. And there's two lanes, two small, like sub lanes that, that you just defend basically. And so that, that there is no longer really a question of like when, you know, wh which lane do you push? The question now is, and actually it really makes sense because now it's like the question is just push or not. You see what I'm saying? Like push or defend or uh, economize. And the new forest is going to be like the, the thing for the, for 
I'm getting rid of that wall that's below the spawn point, which actually I think that's going to be kind of big. The forest is going to spawn more monsters, so it's going to be a good way to find more treasure. So now there's a very simple rock, paper, scissors situation. You push the top lane, that's like a rush down. That's like going for the gold. Um, that's cashing in. You protect the two lanes in the middle, the, the side lanes, that's defense. You go down to the bottom of the map, that's econ. I don't know if this is going to work, but this is my plan. We'll see how it goes. And uh, yeah, let's see if we got any last minute comments. <clears throat> um, this is bonus content, members only. Uh, do you think, oh, I see you posted, okay, you posted the things in there. Do you think not having uh, lanes all end at the same goal, kind of destroying their value? Isn't this really huge, uh, Hopenager, I don't understand your last comment, Batlad. Um, so I'm going to read Hopenager's for now. Isn't this a huge change to the core mechanism of the game? I thought the core decision in lane pushing games was supposed to be which lane should I push, but now it's something else. Um, it's always been about, um, uh, the core mechanism has been pushing lanes. So what I've changed it, and I think actually it's always been, it's always been, um, do you, do you push, do you try to win? Do you defend? Or do you like econ, right? Like, do you rush down? Do you defense? Do you econ? That's always been like there. It's just that I've changed what those, the expressions of those three things. So now, like I just said, going to the top lane is like rush down is trying to win. Defending the two side lanes is defense. And getting money down in the, in the, in the thing, uh, the forest is econ. So I'm going for like really simple. Um, one of the things that I didn't really write here is that um, uh, zones, I'm kind of like just dropping the concept of zones, sort of. It's still going to determine which uh, which guardians that you see. So, you know, I guess advanced players will like notice like, oh, okay, we got these two zones. I'm going to see a ninja. I'm going to see a vampire or whatever. And that that's good. I'm glad because I don't want the 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 guardians to be too random. I want people to know like what they're up against. But uh, yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, thanks so much for joining me, everybody. Um, I will uh, see you all uh, next time. Bye-bye.